So the Buddha way, the awakening way is uh, referred to as the middle, middle way or the way of the middle. It gives a sense of centering, the middle. And on an ordinary way of looking at this, it's the middle between the extremes of uh, indulgence and denial. Mm. Uh, falling into phenomena and saturating in them and kind of feeding on them. Uh, and the other is kind of rejecting and resisting mm. and having a negative view. Mm. And really the is to find this middle way. Mm. Essentially this means a way of moderating, not so much, well, because not so much moderating phenomena, so moderating one's responses to phenomena, which for the ordinary person will be sights, sounds, touches, tastes, thoughts, and smells, six of them. So this is the ordinary experience, but naturally the basis of thought or thought is a very broad uh, or simple definition of mental phenomena as which touch the heart it's actually the leader mm. so thought also involves this bringing bringing to mind so thought is not just the the pure words or that we can detect but that act of bringing to mind a memory, an idea, you know, it comes to mind, we bring an abstraction to touch, to contact. You know, so we have this magical ability. Uh, you can sort of, you know, bring up the word India and contact impression or, you know, my house, something like that. Contact, contact arises, the thing suddenly becomes alive. And feel it, and you get the feeling. And so in this way, mental phenomena, or this world of abstraction, becomes a felt reality. So this function is called uh, bringing to mind, and then perception. Perception is that moment when contact arises. Oh, it means that. Oh, this means this to me. And then this feeling and then activation, some response, a resonance occurs upon which we may very well then act one way or another. Um, and even the action is not verbal or physical, we might just feel it in emotional activation, so agitation or eagerness or worry or something like that. So you get this stimulation occurs, you know. Mm. And so this is really the leader because all the other senses or Actually, the, almost all the other senses occur through this medium. We see something, and uh huh, there's a seeing it, and oh, the tree. You know, that's the meaning, the perception arises. And then we might feel, you know, before we just saw, looking around vaguely, and then oh, and the meaning. Meaning doesn't mean necessarily an interpretation, it means we're, we're touched. So contact, feeling, and then, oh, yeah, some activation occurs. 
So really everything that touches the heart or in this way comes through this base of mind, measuring mind, which scans the senses and finds a detail to you know, derive a meaning out of, the shape, the colour, oh, what it means. Mm. The body also can act directly, mm. so we get these reflexes. Before we even get a, a meaning, we get a jump. That can occur. So the body also can, you know, you see something move fast, and, or your body uh, can jump. It's because the body is wired for very spontaneous reflexes. That's quicker than going through this mind thing. You know, the mind takes a little while to, oh, that's that. Well, your body sometimes doesn't want to wait that long. <laughs> it just jumps, you know. You drop the plate and you think, wow, that was hot. But your body already dropped it. <laughs> Which is quite good because... <laughs> Your mind works slowly, <laughs> trying to figure it out. <laughs> so this, this immediate sense. Mm. Mm. And that's an all-over response, the whole body jumps. Mm. Mm. It's alarm signal. You notice <laughs> if you ever fall over, you, know, you fall over and you hit something, first thing, everything in the body goes, oh. and it takes maybe a just, I don't know, a small moment before the mind begins to locate, where's that? Oh, it's my leg. The first thing is just shock, body shock. And the defence signal comes up and then uh, scans around, oh, it's my leg, you know, then you focus on that. So it's the mind does that, the body gets that immediate sense, the heart feels danger, shock, and then the mind locates and says, oh, okay, it's that, and then measured response comes up. This is how these activations work, but really just making the point that things come through the measuring mind, uh, and that then remains our, our main area of practice, because we're not trying to go blind, Death, lose smell or ties. We just want to manage that measuring mind and how it derives an impression and how the heart is impacted by that. Mm -hmm. Particularly, uh, you know, because that's what adds the the intensities, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. So we see something pleasant and wow, and you focus on it and it intensifies it. Really beautiful, I've got to have one of those. <laughs> you know, you can see this obviously in the world of advertising. Advertisements often have presentations that, that attract attention, even if they're kind of crazy. Fake cartoon bears roaming around or something like that. What's that? You know. <laughs> doesn't have to make sense. It could even be horrible, you know, because it just grabs your attention. Once your attention is grabbed, then, then that moment of attention being grabbed, it magnifies the thing they're trying to draw your attention to, which is the bears holding some kind of cat.
candy or his hand. <laughs> so the bear caught your attention, and then, you know, fluffy bear, and candy, oh, candy. So as soon as your attention focuses on that, then that, that magnifies. So your attention has been grabbed. It's the quality of attention being grabbed, being grabbed by and seized, then that seizure causes attention to go into something and then the phenomenon becomes illuminated by your energy, by your mental energy, your heart energy it begins to illuminate it. And they end up buying candy they didn't really want. <laughs> you know, you're walking down the street, you're feeling fine, it's okay. And life's okay and it's like, oh, I've got to have their candy. You buy the candy thing. What was that for? <laughs> this goes on. So it's that the you know what grabs attention and the grabbing of attention. So again, it comes down to we keep rehearsing, re revising these same experiences: the grabbing, the being grabbed, upadana, grasping, clinging. Mm. Yeah. You know, that clinging and craving work together. And so this kind of dormant craving for something to feel pleased by, you know, take in, and then grabbing says, here, have this. And that suddenly becomes an object of, of craving. Now, if that system were, were managed, so your attention didn't grab, then there wouldn't be that going in and there wouldn't be that illumination, that warming, that heating phenomena, then there wouldn't be the thirst to have it. You, know, you can almost feel yourself getting pulled out or things trying to pull you out, pulling away from centre. And uh, all that possibilities become so enduring. Mm, the sights, sounds, touches, um, and ideas that we can get excited by, or you know, annoyed about, or whatever. It's such a flood that that going out becomes normalised, as that's what we do as beings. Now life is about that going out and it finds fulfilment through that going out and it finds happiness through that going out. And, it, and this is really quite um, a delusion because clearly if there were no bursts of happiness in that we wouldn't do it at all. But the burst of happiness takes us out of centre uh, and then my hops attention hops from this to that to this to that to this to that as it's described in the sutta tatra tatra vinandini it's always jumping from this to that round and round and of course occasions occur when it's got nowhere to jump to you know if you're bored and feeling bored and then because there's been a loss of movement away from centre there's no inner plenitude, and fullness, and balance. Mm. 
So the mind's got used to being propped up by something and we lose that firm inner centre. Just the repudiation of sense contact creates a kind of hardness around our uh, our heart centre. So we live in a sort of dislocated condition. Mm. And its dominant flavour is negation. Uh, The Buddha spoke very firmly about this tendency, he said, this leads to a very unfortunate place. Particularly if it becomes a whole kind of psychology of negation. Because there's none of that warm plenitude has been replaced with negation. And negation uh, becomes a central principle. (laughs) And he tried this himself for many years and found it wasn't skillful. So the middle is the balance or non-grasping. Now when we cultivate, we notice how sights, sounds, thoughts, memories, particularly how they touch and what arises with that and becoming perhaps more uh, skilled, allowing that contact impression to arise, be felt and stay still, open, wide and soften, don't clench, don't agitate, don't get into all kinds of reactions, or if we do, stay with it until those reactions die down, let the phenomena move on. And so we're cultivating that open way, the open way, the way of opening. And this involves uh, uh, that ability to to allow phenomena to arise and pass is a cultivation of uh, what I'm calling deep receptivity. Um, kind of opening to phenomena and no grasping at them. They rise and move through. That's the kind of receptivity. It doesn't mean we're taking the phenomena in. It's not, it's not receptivity in terms of absorbing phenomena. It's receptivity that absorbs the passage of phenomena. Okay? It absorbs the sense of the energies moving. And the space, if you like, the sense of space they move through. Naturally, space isn't something we can detect because its nature is spacious but you can begin to sense the absence of tension, the absence of constriction, the absence of inflammation, the absence of stirring. Mm. So this absence is the presence of that spaciousness. Mm. Now, as I said, of all phenomena that rise, the most poignant and reactionary are the ones we call myself. Or mine has an incredible um, weight to things. Uh, in fact, the sense of mine is this intensification, 
experience, something's out there and it's mine, and it suddenly it requires a bit more weight to it, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm -hmm. You know, my house or my garden, my clothes, my body, and a certain intensity around that, intensity of ownership. Mm. That's a uh, that's an addition, and that very much distorts the receptivity. We become biased, distorts receptivity to owning and holding. So one of the fundamental reflections, rather than deny ourself as such, we begin to deny or challenge the sense of ownership. Yeah. Clearly these physical belongings of mine don't really belong to me, you know. You don't want to carry them around, you don't want to carry your house around. <laughs> and you know that it will fall down and you will leave it one day or another. And the same thing with every material thing. You didn't create it, you bought it, or you got it constructed, or something like that. But the raw elements came from the earth. They were never yours in the first place. However much ingenuity you fashioned, you fall into it to fashion those, the raw material did not belong. Never did belong and doesn't belong. The ability to fashion things also, which we can take, we can enjoy, we can be skillful craftspeople, painters, artists, poets and so forth. Where does that come from? Yeah. And, you know, if you're really into contemplating this, it's like a miracle. Uh, you know, a true true artist, a true skilled person is kind of like, feel they're blessed by a, a grace, that, that, that creativity happened for them. Mm. Their sense of non-ownership is not a denial of things, it's a sense of deep appreciation of the blessing, because we don't own anything. This very body, filled of elements, we didn't create it, it was created. Elements coming together, exists because of elements support it, the air, the food, the water, so forth, they keep it going. You know, I can only moderate and work with that. Yeah. So you don't own it. But you are your steward, according to your capacities. It's not ownership then, that definitely takes some of the intensity out of that self-experience. And another way in which we uh, challenge our this sense of self is, okay, if I'm self, can I, you know, whatever is I call me or mine, you know, is that separate from everything else? So self definitely got some boundaries. This is my bit, that's your bit. This is me, that's you. This is this, and that's the space around me, definitely separate. Yeah. There's me, and there's a seeing things out there, there's things out there, and there's me here seeing them. So I'm definitely separate. Yeah. And if we begin to challenge that, say, okay, you know, if there were nothing to see, could you see anything? <laughs> so your seeing depends upon things out there to see, doesn't it? Yeah. So in what way are you separate from things? Since your act of seeing depends upon there being things to see. 
Yeah. Yeah, if you're floating in empty space, yeah, right, you've got nothing to touch, your sense of touching the earth or having this very firm sense of a body because it's contacting the earth, where's that gone? Yeah. So we do recognize that our sense of separation is really uh, an illusion. We can't be separate from the, uh, what we define ourselves as the seer is not separate from seen objects. The hearer is not separate from sound. And the toucher is not separate from touch. What kind of a thinker can there be who has no thoughts? And so naturally, you know, the sense of self just moves around to this particular sense space it chooses its attention to focus on. Uh, well, this sense of non-separation is uh, there's no actual fixed boundary, and we begin to recognise some of the discomforts of exp- of sensing oneself as a separate self, because. Obviously, particularly in relationship to other people, we hold ourselves as separate, we become self-conscious, uh, you know, obsessive, narcissistic, you know, completely obsessed with ourselves, or neurotic, what does he think of me, am I good enough for her? You know? Yeah, so <laughs> that sense of separation doesn't allow for the blending and the merging of relationship. In fact, we get these diseased relationships of a kind of half-separate self. <laughs> you see what I mean? Mm. But the sense of separation is definitely an addition that has associated with fear and desire. There's no fear, no anxiety, Mm. No fear, no anxiety, no resistance, no moving out, no boundary. So again, uh, in the most uh, fortunate experiences that we have, that sense of self dissolves. We feel unified, we feel uh, loved, we feel welcome, we feel comfortable. And that's because we're not generating ourselves separately, something separate. So this, you know, turning down these psychological experiences which contribute and build up the sense of the self, the more those are loosened, released, the happier we get, the more comfortable we get, the more potent we get and the more flexible we get. So definitely you know, you're a lot better off without a self. <laughs> but that's not a denial of experience. There's still that experiencing sensitivity, isn't it? But now it's not cramped and, and fearful and holding. Uh, and then we do with that increased potential and flexibility and openness, we think, it is possible to allow things to pass. Yeah, it's okay. The pleasant things, yeah, it's okay. I'm not shaken by it. Because the center has become established. Yeah. Free from the fear and desire, 
block, block that sense of self, blocks it. Um, it always requires a, a deep and compassionate receptivity to these forces of fear and desire, which and all their consequences, anxiety, uh, self-measuring, you know, am I good enough, something wrong with me, we're measuring through, with a sense of these negative forces. Mm. And the results of all that means our the results of those psychologies uh, have this uh, limiting, cramping effect on our heart energies which are no longer so free and flowing and open, they become restricted, nervy, tense, contracted, and that has an effect on our subtle body. Our energy system also then becomes more contracted. Uh, so we get a little bit stiff, and, and the body's not a comfortable place to be, so then we tend to spin off into the mind. Um, of course, you haven't really eliminated those forces of fear and desire, the mind then proliferates in line with that. Planning, security, what will I want, what can I get, what will I be in the future, will I be okay, what does she think of me, am I doing okay? You know, this kind of stuff going on uh, in various complex forms, giving attention to them, they magnify and proliferate to extremely complex cosmos in which the being experience themselves enmeshed and trapped in this cosmos which is anxious, worried uh, and so on mm, and the self so it's just kind of really trying to find a, a manageable handle on this, we take the the embodiment as well. Let's get into the little bit of the kind of the foundation of the cosmos. And again, to remind you, this uh, story that there was this, apparently this great deva or spirit who was called the Skywalker. And this deva, he could stride and he could cover the entire earth with two or three strides. He was such an enormous spirit. And he was saying to the Buddha, you know, where do you get to the end of the world? Because I'm striding away. And the Buddha says, you don't get to the end of the world through striding. <laughs> and you don't get to the end of suffering through that. <laughs> but within this body, within this six, um, I call it fathom long, which is approximately you know, body length body. This, he's talking about this thing, he's not talking about some notion of a body because he says this fathom, which is the old measurement of uh, approximately average body. <laughs> so he talked about this thing. <laughs> really, you know, this lump, this thing here. You know, not some ethereal thing, but this thing. With its consciousness and perceptions and feelings, this is where the cosmos begins. Uh, and this is where it ends, and this is where there's a path through that. So this is a kind of 
one is amazing in my mind when you turns the Buddha is like a jujitsu master. Somebody comes with this incredible question, what do you flip? And suddenly, where did that go? You know. <laughs> so there's this great cosmic sky spirit and he says, Well it's down in this meat bag you find <laughs> bringing it down this is where it begins and what an amazing thing to say what an amazing thing to say what he's saying is you know this body with its consciousness and perceptions and chitta in this this is where it all begins because of course you know and then we what's that so you okay let's get into this body thing and you feel the sensations and then your whole body, you cover the whole body so you, you kind of massage your attention so it's no longer focusing on points which then become intensified you're focusing the whole thing so it's much kind of softer in some ways but it also goes deeper because you go past the sensation field into the energy field, which is, uh, that's the way it works. And then you begin to sense, you know, this dominant, vibrant experience, and there's some contractions, and some tension, and some inflammations, and moving through, and stuck places, you know. Uh, You begin to kind of really work in that, and massage that, and then you say, oh, this is where contact occurs this is where that surge or that retraction or that flurry occurs this is where the sorrow occurs where that sinking sense or that joyful sense comes it's right here the very basis of our living cosmos uh, is right here so I'm not talking about rocks and cars (laughs) The living cosmos of what's directly experienced is here. Mm. With its hungers and its agitations. And that is projected out through the senses. Through the, the way the heart in that tangled state projects its tangled messages of need and wish and so forth out through the mind. And then the mind turns the senses around to, to follow those orders, those impulses. The mind, heart sends out these kind of feeling a bit lost here, you know. And so the mind looks around for something to read, you know. Or some map somewhere to tell me where I am. Or somebody else. Help. <laughs> or... It goes into its thoughts. Where am I going to? Where's the answer to that? So it does this kind of thing. That's not blameworthy. That's what happens. And so then, and then, of course, as your attention goes into that, the measuring mind builds up map of the cosmos. Do this, do that, fix this, fix that, buy one of these, see her, da da da, that's it, life is sorted out. And then, mm, okay, not quite. Oh, get rid of this, buy one of those, see him, that should do it. Mm. Not yet. 
Okay, <laughs> must be in the wrong one. So see this guy instead, buy one of those, and <laughs> go here. That's funny, it still <laughs> hasn't stopped yet. <laughs> this is called, <laughs> this is what the Skywalker was doing, it's going round and round the world, <laughs> wondering where the end of it was. <laughs> so you kind of, oh, let's just go back to those signals, <laughs> rather than the objects they go out to, which the mind conjures, conjures them up, it's a, very, it's a magician, let's go back to the signals of need, agitation, uncertainty, you know. And it's like, okay, there's those signals, and also we encourage, remember the signal of joy. Ah. And love, you know, and gratitude. So it helps just to get these Oh yes, there's that too, and the, those are not inflaming, they're not associated with fear or desire, they're different. And the body, oh yes, and then, you know, the breathing, just happening by itself, free, and filling you with nourishment. So you go and tune into the skillful body and the skillful heart, and that helps this to turn the heart away from its confusion into where it feels more healed, the sacred cosmos. Mm. And so this is what this particular turning, the Buddha called this the karma that leads to the end of karma. It's a subtle action, a turning. Action means definitely there's some intentionality. Turn towards this. Turn towards that. Linger in this. You know, invoke this. Invite this. So this we get these kind of factors of mindfulness and inquiry and sustained energy occur, come in, and a sense of rapture. Suddenly we feel pretty happy and contented. The mind consolidates samadhi. Mm. Mm. And all of that has, uh, because these were more sacred forms, yeah. You know, unlike the fears of form and desire, they tend towards unification. Yeah. So, for example, that quality of goodwill, that moment, the goodwill feature, however I experience it, takes away the boundary between myself and others, very simply speaking, doesn't it? Yeah. And that wish and that willingness and that capacity to take away the boundary between myself and others. Yeah. Mm. Amazing capacity. That possibility, friendship, and uh, giving, and caring, concern, appreciation. And oh, so we begin to get a sense of the, the mutual entering the mutuality. And this quality of mutuality by itself encourages that receptivity because to really release that boundary of self, we have to really receive something, be open to it. If we're going to be welcoming each other, there has to be that sense of, I'm opening to that. 
I'm giving you the space to be how you are. These sacred qualities are not associated with the grasping and the I'm better than you are or you're better than I am or who's better than who or it's all this stuff they're called the measureless the measuring mind stops yeah. uh, so these are not that remote difficult but they are the encouragement in this way mm. and this also means when we cultivate things like that qualities like this we have to recognize our perceptions you know and our perceptions of each other she's this he's that and just Let's just pull that to one side. Human being, human being, you know, appreciates goodwill. You know, so even people are a bit strange or, you know, who isn't? And what does she think of me? I just, how can you ever know that? So just, just begin that sense of opening goodwill. Uh, and so we cultivate like that and certainly this this quality which we can cultivate in this uh, daily life um, benefit of it is that that energy and that way my heart begins to learn that and maybe then it's going to come as an abiding place where our own uh, you know our relationship to our energies, our body, our senses, our activities, our psychologies is a little more loving and spacious, allows them. And so opening up that receptivity, remember the receptivity is not just the phenomenon, essentially it's based upon the space to allow the phenomena to to arise. So if we really get a sense of this, when we meet each other, there's a respect is the first thing. Create some space that you can occupy. I'm not getting absorbed into any detail about you or your behavior or appearance, but just respect. And that that kind of loving open space. So we cultivate like this, we also have that that becomes more established in the way that we handle our rage and grief. You know, I don't particularly don't f- like this stuff, but I can love it. Create <laughs> yeah. yeah. respectful space. Hold that space, respectfully hold that space of the heart. Heart is naturally loving. You don't have to pump it up. Uh, you open it, it, its nature is that way. This is why, you know, I really recommend you know, remembering and bringing this heart in. As I say, it's not a matter of cosmetically trying to engender a whole lot of uh, emotions and feelings that you don't feel, but essentially, you know, contacting and opening the heart, then from that sense of respect and space, naturally there will be some quality of goodwill and it begins just with a willingness to be present to be here without doing something about it Mm. Mm. 
But this is also something that's got a, a naturally regenerating quality to it. If we cultivate that and we experience, oh, yes, I can be with, you know, disappointing feeling, uh, an unpleasant memory. Oh, and, then, oh that's in, and compassion is coming. <laughs> I didn't create it, it just begins to come in. Like all the great uh, graces, they're not owned. Mm. They're not done, they're received. We open the space, sustain that with that. Sometimes the wish, may there be peace, may there be harmony. And the qualities, say, of compassion will come. Or mudita, gladness, appreciation. This is why these, uh, these qualities are sometimes configured goddesses and bodhisattvas, because in a way that's what they, that's what they are. <laughs> if you take away the outward form and these energies that come in. And lead to so that that anger, that grief, that resentment, that jealousy can speak, and images and pass on. The body feels it moving through. The body relaxes as it finishes. It completes itself, and the jitter extends beyond that into absence into the, you know, the measureless. Mm. This is the way beyond the cosmos, not through negating it, but through entering it and opening within it. It's not as if this is an aversion, it's just the way it is. It's the way it is. Mm. But in that, it also means we can live more fruitfully in the cosmos, uh, in a mutual experience, without fear and desire. This may sound like, you know, in some ways, a very simple statement, but you add the details. (laughs) You know, you start coming from that basis, which we can do on retreat, yeah. And then from that basis, you know, you make these thousand choices a day. Micro choices. Which way is the inclination going to go? And the first inclination is pause. Take a second pause. Because the first thing will happen is reaction. So reaction happens, okay, pause, and what's happening? Open, widen, soften, soften. Let your intention not be like an arrow anymore, but something that's opening. And then from that place, where's the, the right, you know, for now? Where's the right for now? what allows me to sustain that engagement 
without fear, grasping, ownership. Play it. And again, if you're cultivating this way, you can realize also that what you bring forth, you get responses. And so you keep like a kind of a game, you know, this, that, this, that, this, this is happening to this and that, coming this way. So, you know, you can begin to wing your life. Mm. Mm. So we have this theme, the middle, the balance, that's coming from the centre, clearing the centre, because the centre can be very tightly held as a self-centre, which is always trying to control, avoid, make things, do things, mm. to open, release and experience some of the debris of those, those actions, and the fatigue, the stress, the, you know, unpleasant moods, respectfully opening around that, breathing through the body so these energies can unravel. Uh, This is the way we can cultivate. So let's take some time for following these themes, any of these themes. Mm. 